Hey everybody, this is episode 28 of the Always Relevant Podcast. And Dane and myself are here today. We're going to talk about a few things. The NFL draft's coming up next week. Um, we're talking about the documentary involving the Chicago Bulls and their final championship run. And Michael Jordan uh, called The Last Dance. Um, we can't wait to watch it. We're excited about it. We hope you are too. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And we're also going to talk about how the NBA is trying to really promote the G League as a better option for high school kids that want to be one and done or want to go to college for one year or even go directly to the NBA and want to try to promote them to stay here in the United States versus going overseas and earning professional contracts and earning money over there. So it should be interesting. Um, like I said, we're also going to talk about in the rapid fire segments a response to the Stephen A. Smith rant about the Bengals. So we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a good day. Uh, we're excited about the show. We hope you are too. And we look forward to it. And we hope you enjoy it. Talk to you soon. Hey, everybody. It's episode 28 of the Always Relevant Podcast. We have Dane on the line. Dude, what's going on? Oh, not much, man. What's happening with you? It's NFL Draft Week. <laughs> man, I'm just kind of hanging out. I've been studying, doing homework. I was up last night doing homework and coping woke up. So I was with her, and then we fell asleep. And I woke up like at 5 a.m. and was studying, doing homework. And then I woke up with her again in the morning, watching her throughout the morning. And I tried to study, and then I fell asleep. So <laughs> yeah. another day in my life. Happy Saturday. Yeah, happy Saturday, yep. Yeah, how's everything going on on your end? Well, I was sitting here thinking, you know, it's draft time. I'm, You know, we used to talk, you know, as a Browns fan, we're always like, oh, the draft. I'm starting to wonder, does the draft even matter for the Browns? Does it, does it only matter for the poor souls that get drafted and ruin their career in Cleveland? You know, should it really be something to get excited about? Is it just, is I mean, the franchise doomed to failure? It's something that always pops in my head around draft time. I hope not. It's tough, man, because the Browns have been so excited for the draft so many years, and they've been disappointed so many times. You know, whether it's quarterbacks or running backs, everybody from Tim Couch to Trent Richardson. I don't know who's who's next. Miles Garrett looks like he could be the real deal. You know what I mean? And maybe Baker Mayfield, too. But time will tell, man. I can't say for sure. Uh, Miles Garrett's the real deal, but because he's with the Cleveland Browns, stupid stuff happens like the helmet incident itself. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I think he's definitely the real deal. I actually do like him as a player. Uh, but, yeah, things like the helmet incident happens. You're like, man, it figures. And he's a good dude. He's a good, you know, he's a good guy off the field and a solid player on the field. And it's just that was a freak incident that was out of his character that I'm sure that he wishes that he could take back if possible. So, yep. So, yeah, we'll get into that. We'll definitely get into projections, but today we're going to talk about the draft and, you know, how am I really, you know, obviously with the quarantine still going on, but I am optimistic. It appears things are going to start opening back up in May. I heard it's going to open up for you guys in Ohio. Is that true? Uh, DeWine, Governor DeWine says that uh, they are looking at a plan to open things back up. Uh, starting in May, um, they're going to have like a phased approach. So I haven't looked at really closely as to what that phased approach is going to look like, but um, they're saying there's going to be a phased approach as far as opening things back up. So I don't know how that's going to go or anything like that, but you know, we'll see. 
We'll see. It depends on if the if the curve is truly flattened out or not. I think that's hard to really tell without everybody being tested. You know, they're just going by the people that have been tested. So it's just hard to say for sure. No, I don't I don't care about that curve. I'm just upset you get the golf and I can't. And I'll let yeah, this golf in PA. It's wrong. Yeah, man. Golfing, you can golf anywhere out here. And look at the golf course right by my house. So I haven't been yet again because the weather cooled off a little bit. I know a DJ uh, asked me when to golf this morning, but I said, no, nah, I can't do that, man. I got stuff to do. So. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what's crazy? You mentioned that. Like, April has been way cooler than March has been here yeah. in uh, Eastern PA. Yeah, same here, man. I don't know what's up with that because in March, it was like 75, 78 degrees. It was warm. It was nice. People were outside. All of a sudden, April hits in northern Ohio. It's like snowing and everything. Down here, it's raining. Crazy. I do not understand this weather at all. Yeah. Yep. It's crazy. But uh, but we get to talk about the draft. I'm excited about that. And did you see that thing I sent you on Joe Buck's uh, optional work while he's in while there's no baseball? No, I didn't see that. (laughs) What happened? (laughs) Adult film industry has asked Joe Buck and offered him a million dollars to do play by play commentary for adult film. (laughs) <laughs> well i have a feeling that he's not going to accept that job <laughs> he, well, no he turned it down for now but he says i do not rule out doing it in the future so good for joe <laughs> well hey you know though like if sports don't come back you know he's gonna need to do something at some yep, point they're, time, gonna, so. they're gonna pay him a million dollars for a week worth of work like 25 episodes or something like that he said not right now but he said he will in the future <laughs> He might in that's the future. Yeah. Well, yeah, he didn't roll it out. I mean, I guess that's a good business decision. You know, keep them keep keep them around a little bit just in case. So a lot of money in that industry. Don't no one talks about it because obviously it's a little taboo, but you know, think yeah, about that. Pay him a million dollars for one week of work. Wild. Low grimy. Low grimy. Low grimy, but so. a lot of money. <laughs> All right. So NFL draft, man, uh, I know we, we were talking about it coming up and everything. I know you're thinking about the Browns. I know the Bengals for me, they're still number one pick. Looks like it's still going to be Joe Burrow. I don't know what to believe, what not to believe. I heard something else saying Burrow wanted to go to Tampa Bay. You know what I'm saying? I don't know as far as that. I don't think the Bengals get the pick. I think they're going to bring in Burrow. Even though, even though uh, Andy Dalton, he did say that he's willing to be – uh, he, he wants to stay in Cincinnati. He's willing to be a backup quarterback. I don't think they should do it. I think she should get Burrow and ship Dalton off somewhere that you can't have Burrow looking over his shoulder. That's just me. Well, let me tell you something about this. I've never been more sure of a pick than I was when the Cavs were drafting and LeBron was the number one in 2003. That's how positive I am and that the Bengals select Burrows. Can you imagine if they didn't? And traded down the fan base, <laughs> not the home, the local guy who just had a historic year in college football, maybe the best of all time, and only not even the Bengals or Browns could mess this one up. And I'm not saying Burroughs is going to be a star, although I think he has the potential to be. But this is a no-brainer. I mean, even if the Dolphins offered all three of their first-round picks, you can't do it. You you have to take him. Uh, can you imagine if they didn't what would happen in Cincinnati? They might just tear that stadium down. 
I mean, they want to tear the stadium down anyway because those are on the lake for taxpayers. <laughs> and it's yeah. not really – it's not necessarily state of the art. I think the Brown Stadium is better than the Bengals Stadium. That's just my opinion. But Well, it is. But, I mean, like – no, Mike – can you imagine? Mike Brown is salvating after a horrendous year of attendance that Burroughs comes in and he's going to sell tickets. You watch. If they draft Burroughs, you know how many jerseys they're going to sell right away? You know how many tickets he's going to sell right away? He don't even care if he wins. He's kind of like Jerry Jones. As long as you're in the news making money, life's good. And Burroughs, he sees dollar signs. There ain't no way in hell that the Bengals pass him up. That's just my idea, thoughts on it. Even with the, the rant from Stephen A., I mean, I heard Stephen A.'s rant, and I know we're going to bring it up in rapid fire a little bit later on today in, in the podcast, but I did listen to Stephen A.'s rant about the Bengals and basically not having postseason wins, them basically being cheap and not spending the money. They seem to be spending a little more money this offseason. Um, I think they should get Burrow. But, you know, ultimately, will this be the place for him to, to die? For his career to die, I should say. Well, you would hope not, but Ohio Pro Sports has a way of bringing down the greatest of the athletes. The Cavs <laughs> even tried to bring LeBron down. It took him a trip out of town coming back to win a title. It's just a rough place to win. <laughs> but if you want a legacy and you think you can overcome it, I mean, can you imagine if Burroughs came in and actually led the Cincinnati Bengals to a Super Bowl, how he would be talked about? I mean, yeah. what an opportunity for him. I mean, in his career, I mean, he kind of has cult hero status from, you know, he said he's never lost since he was five years old. You know, he went to Ohio State, didn't get a chance to play, gets his opportunities at LSU, and they should probably build a statue at LSU for him. You know, the the head coach down there, Ed Ogeron, is probably – give Joe Burrow a portion of his contract because of how well he did for him. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I think that offensive coordinator deserves a lot of love for changing the offense up too. And you know, Burrows, and you know, was, Burrows was was a late round pick based off his performance the previous year. Right. Well and you know why? Because they didn't open up the full offense to him yet. They I don't know a new coordinator. This guy was his first year. No, and the coordinator He's down and he's with Carolina Panthers or something now, right? I think so. That coordinator started when Burrow came in. That's what I'm saying. Like, he only opened the portion of the playbook for him that first year. And the All's second I year, know, all I know is it was one of the biggest jumps, if not the biggest jump from year to year of any prospect ever. I mean, you're he, talking about a guy who was potentially a late round pick or not at all to a number one overall pick in a year. It's unprecedented. You know, you can probably think is Sean Payton because that's where the guy coached previously with the Saints. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy for him. You know, uh, I, I mean, he's got nine inch hands. I don't think that's that big a deal. I mean, he's from Ohio, he's played in the cold. I'm not really worried about that. So, right, right. So, all right. I mean, we know where Burrow's going to go. We think he has the talent. We think he has the moxie. I think he has arm strength. He's athletic enough to do it. You know, it's just a matter of if the Bengals put enough around him to help him out. And I think at least skill position player-wise, he's there. You know, hopefully they can give a better defense so they're not always, you know, giving up points, being in a shootout so they can help him out in that aspect. But 
I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be all right. Obviously, you have to wait and see what's going to happen with coach with the new coach, Zach Taylor, and what's going to happen in year two for his coaching staff. That's when we'll see where he really is, especially when he's bringing in his players this year. So, it, it'll be interesting for sure. But, yeah, I think I think the Bengals should definitely stick with it, keep them one pick, draft Burroughs, and, you know, see what they got and see if they can develop him further. So, I mean – He's already shown yeah. one of the best quarterbacks yeah. of all time in, in you know, in college ranks. So, yeah, uh, I've never been more sure of a pick in my life. And then I, I could almost say that for the number two pick, there ain't no way in hell the Washington Redskins pass up Chase Young. I think he's a generational talent, uh, just incredible athlete, incredible size, understanding of how to play the position, uh, just yeah. an overall dominant player. There's just no way you pass up a guy like this at number two. You picked Haskins number 15 overall last year. He didn't really get a fair shot. The franchise is a disaster. They're a disgrace. They've been chasing the Browns and Bengals as the worst franchise ever here for a while and may pass them at any time. Well, the thing is, like, the Redskins throw out money like it's candy, though. (laughs) That's big market. That's D.C. That's NFC East, man. Money's no object. Ask Jerry Jones, man. Money's no object. It ain't about winning in the NFC East. It's about making money, being in the right. news. Worst division, historically bad division last year with the Eagles, the Giants, the Redskins, and the Cowboys. More Then four probably make more money than all the other teams combined. It ain't about winning. It's about being in the media and making money. That's true. That is true. But the Redskins are a disgrace. I think. I think by the end of this year, they will be the franchise. They will surpass that Browns and Bengals as the ultimate disgrace. Although there is one team that's drafted number three that has yeah, been no. a middle of terribleness for a long time, and that's the Detroit Lions. Right. I think I, I don't even know what they do with the number three pick. They're a disaster. I'm picking the best player available. And hoping, and I'm Patricia. I'm trying to save my job, which he's not going to. No, he's not going to. But they're talking about they're talking about them. They potentially picking a quarterback. Like no, they ain't taking no quarterback. Nope. Do, do they try to get Tua? Even though they're saying he's probably need a hip replacement. No. You know if I mean? you're if you're that GM, I forget his name, and Patricia, you got to hope Stafford's healthy, and that you can somehow in hell win 10 games, and you're not going to do that with a rookie quarterback. I mean, you're you're trying to hang on to your job at this point. So I see a lot of them uh, drafts. They have them either drafting Akuda from Ohio State, get the best corner, which would be smart considering that they lost Darius Slay to the Eagles, or maybe Isaiah Simmons, who's an M- – even though you don't draft linebackers that high, this guy's a super impact player, you know, right, right behind Chase Young with that kind of – potential and upside. I don't think it matters who they draft. I think the Lions are going to be a disaster this year unless Stafford does something amazing. They're almost not even worth talking about. I I feel bad for whoever goes number three other than in their pocketbook because the Lions are a disaster. I mean, even if Stafford airs it out, which is what he's done his whole career, I mean, I don't think it's enough to make a difference for the Lions, unfortunately. You know, they just – They've been overall, they just just not been good. <laughs> they just, they just haven't been good. That's tough, man. It's tough. No, and this and and the guy and their coach. I, I mean, 
the way he rubbed veterans the wrong way and all this right. stuff. I mean, he's another Belichick wannabe. The Belichick wannabes never make it. Uh, this is a disaster. To, I mean, you can be Belichickian, but Belichick was like, it took some years for him to be able to do that. You know, he was some years a defense coordinator to Bill Parcells, former head coach for the Browns that had gotten into the AFC championship. So it wasn't like he was, you know, a nobody being able to do this, you know. But it was also a different time as well. And, you know, you kind of have to adjust for the times. And not all teams function like the Patriots do. So. Yeah. Now, I've also heard the Lions can trade back, so we'll see what happens. They need talent on that roster. Then we got the Giants, who's picking number four. They're awful, but they also have Saquon Barkley. Right. I, I personally still can't believe they drafted um, – what's the quarterback say? I'll call him Danny Dimes. But Danny Dimes, yeah, from Duke great, or whatever. Yeah, great nickname. I just don't know if he deserved to be drafted that high. <laughs> Maybe uh, they saw something that I don't. Out here because I'm kind of the New York Giants market and kind of split with the Eagles out here where I live, and you see a lot of the games. He shows flashes of massive potential. He can make all the throws. He's got to cut down on his turnovers. His offensive line is god awful. Uh, I've heard a lot though that the Giants could trade down, but they probably should take one of the best linemen in the draft. They also need a lot of help on defense. They couldn't stop anybody. They couldn't stop a college team last year. Yeah, so, I see they need inside linebacker, cornerback, safety. So, yeah, they, they definitely have have some, yeah. some improvement to do on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, then we go to the Dolphins. I think uh, I like they're where they're to, going. Yeah, they're trying to build something out there. You know, are they going to – the question, are they going to get a quarterback or are they going to try to make a run with Fitzmagic? And is, is Josh gonna, Rosen just SOL? They're going to draft a quarterback, and that quarterback's going to play. Fitzpatrick's going to be there. Uh, the Dolphins made a lot of moves, added a lot of big players, which we talked about in our free agency segment a couple weeks ago. Mm. Um, I, I, I ended South Beach, buddy. I'm telling you right now, if I get drafted by the Dolphins number five, I get to go to South Beach. I'm very excited about that. Who, so, do, they, who do they draft? Who do they draft? There's Joe Burrow. And then to me, there's a drop-off. There's a serious drop-off. Who well, do they go two, I agree with what I've been hearing from some people that two is the ultimate boom or bust pick. He could turn out to be maybe a star because he's got that potential, or he could be in the trainer's room the entire career. Uh, a lot of people like Herbert, and uh, there's some mock drafts that have the Dolphins taking him over to. Uh, I don't see that happening, but there are some that think that's the case. As I said previously, I think Herbert's a bust, and that's just from the eye test. The eye test, but you know what? He's 6'6", he's 236 pounds. I thought he was faster than this. He only ran a 4.68 at the combine, but you know what? 4.68 when you're 6'6 and that long, it, it it's kind of deceiving. Right. Uh, he had a 35.5 vertical inch vertical jump. That, that's pretty good. 10-3 broad jump. I mean, this is a quarterback. These aren't bad numbers. And uh, 7.06 second three cone. That's actually not bad either for a guy that big. I mean, he's very athletic. You've seen it in college. He can make all the throws. He looks like a quarterback. Uh, you know, you know this reminds me of? The games, though, so. You know, it reminds me of Blake Bortles. 
hands down. Ooh. He's Blake Bortles light. That's what I think Ooh. he is. Oh, oh boy. I mean, me and you are in agreement. We have some big issues with him uh, playing at Oregon, playing in that offense. Now, here's where I think he could excel because – and this is why I think quarterbacks are doing a lot better in the NFL now is when, when quarterbacks come into the NFL now, instead of trying to force an offense on them, you draft right. the guy and make an offense for what fits him. And I think right. if a coach fits an offense to him – he could have a he could be a player too. So and uh, coaches are starting to do that. I'll give you that. You know, you saw with the Ravens, they did it with Lamar Jackson. And um I'm trying to think who else has, has done it. I mean, they kind of did it with Cam Newton, Carolina. Obviously, he's been hurt, you know, down the line, but I mean that's how their offense function was through him and they played yeah, the history. Yeah, this has been gradually happening. When RG three came out, the Redskins, Kyle Shanahan put an offense in there, made him rookie of the year. Helped him make rookie of the year, you know, injuries derailed his career. But you're seeing that with a lot of quarterbacks now. I think you're going to see that with the Browns. They're going to do what Baker does well, which is the play action and stuff like that. Right. They're going to – everybody, because there's so much pressure to win now and you don't have a lot of time, you, if you think you have that guy, and if you run a certain kind of offense, you take that guy and run with it. That's why I said with the Lions, they're all going to get fired. They all know it. I can't believe they're brought back this year. They're just going to hope Stafford saves them. That's it. That's what I'm thinking. Right. So, so I, I think the Dolphins select Tua uh, because if he isn't ready or he gets hurt, uh, Fitzmagic can come in and win you some games, and they're still building. I, mm-hmm. I think this is like – I think they want to compete for a big-time spot maybe the following year, although a lot of their signings said they want to compete this year. It'll be interesting. Right. Right, right. Now, looking at the next pick, though, uh, San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, obviously, they need a quarterback, but is there a quarterback talented enough for them to take? Or do they try to get someone like a Cam Newton or a Jameis Winston? And I'm trying to think who else is out there. That's still Maybe they try to get Andy Dalton for the time being, right? I don't know. Well, we said they're going to go with Tyrod Taylor, who I don't like. Uh, I've seen him in Cleveland. He holds on to the ball too long. He don't throw the ball when receivers go into the break like you need to. I mean, if the Chargers think they're going to win any games with him, they're nuts. If they think they're going to sell any tickets with him, they're nuts. I think they have to draft the quarterback. I think being on the West Coast, drafting the Oregon star kid, if he's there after Tua, is the best pick. Or drafting Tua. Uh, Because you know what? Let's face it. The NFL is a business, and – Nobody goes to Chargers games. You got to take one of them quarterbacks that people think can play. And if you're convinced he can help you win uh, and put butts in the seat, uh, you got to take two or Herbert. That's what I think. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Obviously, they need a quarterback. It's a 100%. It's a need for them. Um, yeah, I mean, you probably, you probably have to do it because, I mean, otherwise you don't want your, your franchise relying on on Tyrod as far as, yeah. as far as there. So, so there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of good offensive linemen out there too. I think that's uh, not sure what the uh, Panthers are going to do. You got that rule guy in there. He's trying to act like Belichick too, it appears. So I don't know how long this is going to work, but uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see, see what we'll happens see how there. In the NFL. We'll see how rules in the NFL. He's always been a college coach guy, I think. So, 
don't know. It'll be interesting. He spent a year with the New York Giants, or uh, two, maybe two years with the New York Giants, not too long ago. He actually spent two years, I think, with the Giants before he went to Temple. Okay. Okay. So, and he was really good at Temple, but as we all know, the college game's a lot different. So, uh, what? Uh, now, real quick, what he did with Baylor was amazing. He took over a team that was dealing with all them sanctions and everything. They were god-awful. They won one game. Three years later, or two years later, you see what happened. So, uh, And when he took over Temple, Temple was awful. Uh, so, yeah. you know, we'll see what happens. He has the track record of success you like to see. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what kind of coach he is on the NFL level. Because, you know, you can't coach the NFL guys, sandwich cook college guys. It just doesn't work out like that. No, uh, he's hoping Teddy Bridgewater – as the player, a lot of us think, I think me and you are in agreement, think Teddy Bridgewater can play. Uh, he plus, made a hey, smart move. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was, I was going to say they, 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 paid the, they paid Christian McCaffrey to give him that paper, and they should have. He's, yeah. he's a new year guy. Yeah, you want him on – you want that. That was a good, smart move. Uh, and then, you know, he signed the XFL star. I forget his name, the quarterback of the Houston. Yeah. I think it was Houston Roughnecks. Now, that was his quarterback in college at Temple, and he holds all the records at Temple. So right. they know each other, and his. I think they like his leadership. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, that was him, yeah. So, you know, uh, yeah, I, we'll see what happens at Carolina. It'll be interesting. I don't know what they're going to do with that pick. We'll see. I got you. What we got next one? Arizona? I'm trying to – let me see what Arizona even needs. Um, they need a lot yeah. on defense. A I lot. Know, maybe the offensive tackle. And you're right. They need D linemen. They need the outside linebackers. They need running back, which only they need a running back. I guess they can get final for the future because they have Kenyon Drake. But uh, they also need a receiver because obviously Larry Fitzgerald is old and they don't have a number one. So, well, I guess they do now. They do now. They do have um, uh, Nuke um, from Houston in Texas, DeAndre Hawkins. So, yeah, I think I think they go offensive line. They might get one of these top tackles here to start. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm thinking. Or if Simmons is still there, that linebacker, you take him. No, I, I, I agree there for sure, for sure. And I guess we'll do one more bottom feeder here, maybe, and then we'll get into some players left. What do you think? That that works for me, man. That works for me. Well, Jacksonville Jaguars, awful, awful. Ah. <laughs> uh, Leonard I don't Fournette know what talked they, to the media. Yeah. He's 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 vying for Cam Newton to come there. You know, if not, they put their trust in, in Gardner Minshew, which I don't know if you should really do that or not, to be honest with you. I mean, he wasn't terrible last year. Um, I don't think it's spectacular, but I don't think he was losing games out there for him. So anything's possible. Um, they need a lot of help on defense. You know, the defense used to be the staple there in Jacksonville, and it's kind of gone downhill because players have left. So, you know, they need D tackles, outside linebackers, cornerbacks. They also need offensive linemen. So, I mean, there's a lot of need there for them. They have a lot to turn around. Yeah, it's another awful franchise. Uh, I don't think it matters what they do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think, I, think uh, I mean, I know they went to the AFC title game a year ago. Everybody gets lucky now and then, but everything came back to earth real quick. When they went to the title game a couple years back, if they would have had anybody else a quarterback besides Blake Bortles, they probably would have gone to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but you got to remember Bortles put up like in the against the Steelers uh, 
what, they scored like 42 points against the Steelers when they had absolutely no defense two years ago or three years ago now. I can't remember exactly when. Yeah, two years. And uh, uh, that got him that big contract, got him paid. You know, one game. I'll tell you what, in the NFL, if you're a quarterback, if you can light up one game in the playoffs, you can get paid. So, yeah, oh, that's, that's true. That's true. And All right, so – yeah. So we, we, I know the next week's your brownies. I don't know if you had anybody you want to talk about for the Browns to pick up. They're the number ten pick. Well, uh, they have to get a left tackle. I heard yeah. if Simmons is there, they might want him, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I'm I'm hearing a lot they're going to draft back, uh, trade back in the draft. Right. Now, supposedly, you know, you got these tackles that everybody likes. But um, there is a lot of people who think they could be uh, taking that guy from Boise State and getting more picks. So Ezra yeah. Cleveland uh, is an impressive tackle for the uh, for Boise State. He's like 6'6", 300-something pounds. Uh, I think he did like a 4'8-something 40, which is good. That's faster than all the tackles except – He's about the same speed as Tristan from uh, right. Iowa. Uh, they okay, really what's, like what's this guy's name from Boise State? Ezra Cleveland. And okay. uh, a guy who's the offensive line coach there actually played for the Browns in the early 2000s and said he's the real deal. He's real impressive looking. I mean, this is a tackle for tech, uh, tech, a draft for tackles. The one that's appealing to me is the Mecky Beckin from Louisville. Yeah, yeah. No, he's good. Yeah, he's yeah. Up 364 pounds. That's probably too heavy in the NFL to block the speed of the defensive ends. He's probably the ultimate boomer bust tackle. I know uh, and what I've been hearing, Joe Thomas, when he posts out there and stuff like that, he loves him, thinks he's the real deal. I right. mean, he's that big and ran a 5-140. Uh, he has a 35-3-8 inch arm reach. Uh, he yeah, that's I'll tell you what. To be that tall, he did 23 lifts on 225. So that, that's pretty good. I mean, you know, just because they have a lot, they have a long way to go when they're what, six, five, six, seven, or whatever. You know, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a lot of length to try to people push think, Yeah, people might look at that and be like, oh, he's so big. Man, when you got a bench and you got a length of reach for a rep like that dude does, like right. 23 lifts is pretty good. Now, he didn't do any jumps or shuttles, which you know, that means he's probably trying to hide that quickness issue he has at 364 pounds. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Browns could go that way. The one I don't want them to pick is I don't want them to pick Jedrick Willis. Wills, the offensive tackle from Alabama. Yeah. I know he has a lot of upside, but the reason I don't is he's played right tackle his whole career. I hate switching people in positions. Right. Uh, get a guy who plays the position. I know he's 6'4", 312, you know. He did, and he didn't lift, which worries me for a lineman. Linemen need to lift. You know what I mean? So, uh, actually, I'm looking here. I, I do see something for for Jesse Willis. Uh, for him, he did he did uh, 23 on the bench. He did. He must have not he done it the official combine then. Yeah, he did. Uh, let's see. Oh no, that that was based on something else. He is based on other metrics, so he didn't do the bench. But this he did a five point oh five forty. And a 34 and a half inch vertical. 
Yeah, and he did the broad jump and the short shuttle. 484 yeah. in the short shuttle's not great, but it's good for a guy that big. Right. Uh, and there's a lot of linemen. It's a big line thing for linemen. Uh, there's one defensive tackle out there we haven't mentioned, Derek Brown of Auburn. That's man child. That's the real deal. Yeah. Yep. Uh, man, he's 6'4, 326 pounds and can play. So I'll be interested to see who takes him. But, uh, you know, and then there's some receivers out there. Uh, you know what the guy I like here, you know, everybody's talking about Jeff Akuda, right, for corner, and he could be one of the best and all that. Right. He runs a four four eight. I know he's got that. He did 11 and 225. I like C.J. Henderson of Florida. He's six foot three quarters, 204 pounds. He ran a four three nine forty, which is blazing. 37.5-inch vertical jump, 10.7 broad jump and 20 lifts on 225. That's what I'm talking about. That's a football player. I want that dude on my team. Well, plus they got corners nowadays. They're, they're taller. They're rangy. They can be physical. So, I mean, you want someone that can do that. You know what I mean? So, I mean, he's bringing something to the table. He's athletic. He's strong. He's obviously fast, you know, running that, that shuttle on the 425. I mean, that's pretty solid, too, as far oh, as doing that. He, he ran a four three nine and did two twenty five twenty times at over six foot. I, I man, I'll tell you what. Unless he just don't understand the game, but he had what he ended with six picks and twenty pass breakups. Uh, I I like him. Uh, I I would I would as much as I'm a Buckeyes guy. I I almost think I like him better if I'm picking. Really, that corner. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Akuda too, but and uh, but man, uh, those numbers really stand out. No, I'm with you, man. They they definitely do. They definitely do. I mean, he got to he can play for sure. I mean, he showed he can play, and obviously, he's he's big enough to be a present day cornerback in the NFL. It's just it's just matter if he if he has it upstairs. Some guys do, and some guys don't. Good. Sounds like he does. You know, I'd be interested to see, maybe watch the Florida film against LSU and see how he did. If he did good in that game with those kind of numbers and everything like that. Right. Yeah, I like him. I think he could be a star player in the league, definitely. But there's a lot of, you know, uh, there's a lot of good players out there. Like it's a big draft for wide receivers. You got Henry Ruggs. Runs a four two seven forty. That's fast. fast. The thing but is, the city don't run good routes, so we'll see what happens. Right, Henry Ruggs was not the best player in their team. Jerry Judy runs great routes, and he's fast. He's got good size. He's six one one ninety three, and he runs a four four five forty. So I mean, that's fast enough for a receiver. Um, nothing like there's really nothing spectacular about him, but he's good. He makes plays. He gets open. He runs great routes especially compared to Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs is a little more raw than what Jerry Judy is. Jerry, Jerry Judy's polished. He's ready to come in and make plays and, and, and separate himself a little bit, in my yeah, opinion, versus Henry Ruggs. I know this is the one that disappointed me a little bit because C.D. Lamb, you know, he, he looked fast and turned up and, you know, Big 12, which, you know, there's no defense. So he only ran a four five forty. Which is fast. Don't get me wrong. Four flat five is fast, but it's not the elite kind of speed you're looking for if you're going to draft a receiver that high. What do you think? 
No, I mean, as far as being elite, I mean, I'll be honest with you, like, it's it's more and more where you see, like, guys running a 4-4. It's, it's not common. Um, I don't know, maybe his game speed, but he's he's not, like, an athletic freak by any means. I mean, I look at his numbers, 4 5 40, 34 half-inch vert. You know, it, it does show that he should probably run a 4.3 shuttle, which is which is, that's pretty good as far as everything there. Um, and he did 11 on the bench. So, I mean, he's not weak by any means. You know what I mean? But um, I don't know. I don't know. I know, like I said, at Oklahoma, he could play. They're wide open out there. And I don't know what kind of separation he can really get, you know, at a 4-5. What point is he running a 4-5? Is it because of the beginning when he gets off the ball? Or is it because he doesn't have that second gear in, in the speed? I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I I thought he was a 4-4 guy for sure. Right. Uh, you know, here's the one that, okay, this is the one that shocked me. Now, we knew he was a great player, and no one's talking about him, but I think he'll be a late first-round pick. Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, got to bring him up because he was one of the star players. You know, he's 5'10", 226 pounds, and this is what impressed me. He ran a 4'3", Like, that's a big running back running some elite speed. 424 yeah. short shuttle. Like, that's a dude. If I need a running back and I'm a late first rounder, I'll, I'll want him. 17 lifts on 225. That's not bad. He's all legs and butt. But, uh, right. That's right. impressive. I, I did not think he ran a 439. I don't know about well, you. I knew he was like a two time uh, New Jersey high school state track champion. So I knew he could run. He could get there as far as that. Um, I think he's going to be good. Obviously, you know, his college career, he was he's put up numbers, you know, the whole time he's been there. So, you know, the expectations were high, especially after his freshman year, and he kind of continued that, and everybody keyed on him. They didn't really have a quarterback that could kind of help him out a little bit more and keep everybody out of the box. So everybody stacked the box against him. It just was what it was. But I think he can definitely be a good player. Um, I don't know what kind, of, uh, what kind of hands he has out of the backfield, but athletically – He's there. Like I said, 4-4-3-40, 37 half inch vertical, you know, a 4-1-3 shuttle, which is moving. Um, he has good size, 6-1, 2 2 I'm actually looking at the wrong guy. I'm looking at the wrong guy. That is my fault. <laughs> I, was, I was like, man, this guy's crazy. But, no, I, I do agree. John Taylor, athletically, he, he is there uh, as far as everything. Yeah, 5'10", 226. He's built like a running back, you know, for sure. Um it doesn't matter if he can be a three-down back because I think he's one of those guys that needs to be on the field, you know, every down and not have yeah. a rotation with someone else. You know, same thing, same thing with Saquon, Barkley. You know, him, Barkley, Leonard Fournette, they need to be on the field three downs, three and four downs in order to be truly effective and wear a team down like old-school running backs. So, that's just yeah. Me so, I guess I'll finish up with the draft here on the – what I think the Browns and Bengals will do real quick on the Browns. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of talk and I've seen several different mock drafts and it's hard to tell because teams hold stuff close to the vest for trade purposes and everything like that. But right. uh, there's a lot of talk that the Browns might take Antoine Winfield Jr. Get him in the second round at pick 41 uh, out of Minnesota, obviously a player I really like. Uh, so uh, that's good. They need a safety, I think. I mean, they got the two veteran ones in the free agency, but a future center, you know, a future safety who can play, you know, after these two guys, when your contracts are up is good. You know, I've heard maybe Willie Gay 
junior linebacker out of Mississippi State. They're going to be – I think the draft is going to be really heavy on defense for the Browns after that offensive tackle pick. So we'll see what happens. And uh, what do you think the Bengals will finish up with? I have I have no idea, honestly. If they think some news in the offseason, um, you know, I says their needs, obviously, it's quarterback. Uh, it says receiver, probably someone for, you know, to help be a number one after for A.J. Green. You know, they need help on defense. They need a linebacker. You know, I know they signed – I forget what's linebacker they signed in the offseason, but no one's going to replace perfect how perfect played the difference maker was on defense. They need a difference-making linebacker. Uh, you know, they made some moves in the, in the secondary overall and on the D-line. So, I don't know if, they, if it's best for them to try to get more depth on the D-line or they should try to get another offensive lineman. Like I said, it is a deep offensive line draft. And let's say they have the number one picks for the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth round. What it looks yeah, like. so. you know what's funny? It's interesting. I was looking at what some of the mock drafts for the Bengals, and they're going all offense. You know, I'm seeing even on Bengals.com, they're liking T. Higgins, the Clemson wide receiver, or Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, another wide receiver. They're thinking. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that I think they need a tall, rangy receiver that's a deep threat. Because, I mean, as much as I like Boyd, he's not going to be a burner that's going to stretch the defense. And John Ross, I mean, he's just – he's unreliable being healthy. You know what I mean? So, they need that big, tall, playmaking receiver that can stretch the defense. So, I don't mind Higgins out of Clemson. You know, he, he he's good. Um, I, I did think that LSU cornerbacks kind of took him out of the game a little bit in the national championship. But – um that was the first time I really seen that from anybody all year instead. So I don't know if it was a him problem, if it was somebody else. As far as all yeah, that. And I like this pick. If the Bengals can get this guy's second round, the best center in the draft, who I think is going to play a long time in the NFL, and they have him on Bengals.com. Tyler Baez of Wisconsin. He's enormous. He knows the game. That might be a good person to draft and pair with Burroughs for your future. Right uh, now, for 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 the Bengals, they used to have Billy Price, right from Ohio State. <laughs> But he, yeah, he like he suddenly retired, right? If I remember right, I, he just couldn't stay healthy. That pick's not looking good. Something's not right there. I don't know if he retired or what, but yeah, it, it was something for sure. Yeah, so, and I've seen Solomon Kenley at Georgia. He's one of the top guards in the draft. But it, what I'm looking at is I'm looking all offense is what they're thinking on the Bengals. Then round three, I'm seeing Sadiq Charles. Offensive tackle out of LSU. He's a good player. So yeah. it looks like the Bengals might be going all offense. Be interesting to see. Like well, I told they, you, I think there's talent on the Bengals defense. I think the scheme was awful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the defense is starting to get old too. You know, you have Carlos Dunlap and um I always forget the D tackles name. That's been dominant. Geno Atkins. Thank you. Geno Atkins. I mean, those two have been mainstays on the defense for years. Um, you know, they have uh Dude from Ohio State. I don't know why I can't remember names today. I can picture him. He's from Cincinnati. He went to Moeller. He was a safety yeah, in the defensive line. Hubbard. Yeah, Sam Hubbard. He's a good player. And then they have, I think, Lawson, who came from Auburn. He's more of like a pass rushing specialist, but I think he's good. He's getting better in the run game, in the run defense game. So, you know, their defense line could be all right. They see those guys that can plug and play and rotate so you can keep the pressure up all game. Like I said, for them on defense, linebackers are going to make a difference. I think they're addressing their secondary. Um, but, yeah, offense is going to be the way to go for them. They need to protect Joe Burrow. 
since he's their top pick. And they need to get, I guess, another playmaker. If you know AJ Green's getting old or he's gonna be gone next year. And right now I'd ride the coattails of Joe Nixon and go from there. Yeah. Yeah, so with that, I guess we'll see what happens, and we'll talk about the shocking results probably next week. Yeah, for sure. The, the, the virtual draft should be interesting to see how it's going to be because, uh, you know, normally the draft is there. It's a big event. It was supposed to be in Vegas this year, which makes it – which probably would have made it even bigger. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be, with you know, with it being virtual. Um, I, I, wonder how I, believe, be, I wonder how the atmosphere is going to be. So I believe the draft is in Cleveland next year. That would be now. That would be interesting. I, you know, I've never been to a draft. Maybe we should plan a trip and go. Yeah, I, I want to do that. I think it's either this. It's either next year or the year after. But I think it might be next year. Okay. Yeah. Well, we might be having always relevant podcasts live. You know, for the NFL draft. We'll see what's going on with that. It could be good. It could be bad. <laughs> <laughs> the draft should have been in Cleveland the last twenty years because that's where the first picks going. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, well, we, okay. Did you see? I know we were we we're talking. I think talking about last week talking about the documentary that's coming out uh, for called the Last Dance, ten part docu series. It's gonna be on ESPN. Um, talking about the the Chicago Bulls and their final championship of their second three P. Um, it's gonna give all the behind the scenes. I know Jordan's. You know, I can't wait to watch it. I know Jordan's already talked about that. People are gonna you know, kind of judge him and see how he really was during that time frame because he wasn't exactly the nicest person. Um, I wonder if that's going to change their opinion of him. I don't think it should. I think he was doing whatever it took to win, even though he did punch Steve Kerr to try to toughen him up, basically. But, I mean, what do you think about it? Well, first off, Jordan ain't going to release nothing that makes him look bad. So, <laughs> it might. it's just going to make him look like the ultimate competitor. I'm right. excited to see this because I like you know that was my childhood. I mean, those Bulls domination was during my high school years. You know, the, their last title was my senior year of high school. So, you know, I grew up watching them Bulls teams, and that was before everybody was on TV every night. You know, so right, uh, right. You know, I love watching it. I'm excited to watch it and see everything. I mean, I guess this documentary was filmed. But the uh, was never released because part of the agreement of doing the documentary is Jordan had to okay it to be released, and he's never okayed it until now. So, uh, and you know, it's a little strategic now. It's funny. There's a story on ESPN right now talking about the Last Dance because that's where it's airing, and they said look, Jordan decided to release this documentary on the day of the Cavs championship parade. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, it, that doesn't surprise me. You know, he's always – he's the ultimate competitor. One way or another, he's going to try to do something. I'll do someone else. So, yeah. yeah he's seen, he seen 1.4 million people or whatever in the streets of Cleveland and seeing the king up there getting the trophy from Jim Brown, all that stuff. And Jordan's like, you know what? It's time for me to finally remind everybody who is the GOAT. That's and now right. we're going to release it. Now, you know what? He already sells a ton of shoes after this documentary comes out. You know, it's funny because the real Jordan hasn't played for like, it's been what, 23 years since, you know, his final season started right. ever. And these kids out here, they don't, 
I mean, they hear about Jordan. Like I said, he's almost like a mythological hero at this point. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> they, they, they didn't watch because they were all born like in 2002. And yeah. So they, they only watch show, play. Yeah, they always show the shot against Utah to win the final title, the shot against the Cavs to knock them out of the playoffs. He missed way more game winners than he won, but everybody only remembers the MJ from the commercials and the championships and all that stuff. So it's almost like at this point, people think he can do no wrong. And plus there's that shot over Craig Elo. The shot over Craig Elo. You can't you yeah. can't forget about that one. Yeah, you know what's crazy is the Cavs actually beat the Bulls in regular season every game that year. Yep. yep. And uh yeah, those, those were, were what Mark, those Mark were Price, teams. Brad Doherty. I mean they're Lenny Wilkins was the coach. I mean that's they had a squad. Yeah, John Williams. I mean, they were good. So, uh, yeah, I mean, them, those Cavs teams were good, but Jordan took them down. So, I think uh, – I, I mean, I'm excited to watch it. I mean, I, I'll be watching about it. We'll probably talk about it. Uh, I can't wait to see what the interactions were like with Rodman and stuff like that, so it should be good. Well, they said that Rodman and Jordan, they, didn't, they weren't friends off the court, but even Rodman said – we didn't have to be friends off the court, you know, to come in and do the job and win a championship. We didn't have to talk. We just had to come in and show up and work hard and, you know, make sure everybody's on the same page to get the wins. Other than that, yeah, it's, 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 it's a, a job, professional. man. It's a job, man. Come in and be a professional. It's like anywhere. You ain't got to get along with everybody. You just got to perform. Nope. I'm with you. I'm with you. So, yeah, no, I'm excited about it. You know, I'm glad that they bumped it up because it wasn't supposed to come out until, like, when the NBA finals were originally scheduled, like in July, but you know, since everything's going off coronavirus and everybody's in quarantine, this is probably going to get so many ratings because sports has been out. Everybody's clamoring for something to watch, and I think the ratings will be through the roof on this. So I think it was smart. They listened to the people, and ESPN's about to get their viewership increased tenfold. You know, during this time frame, it's going to be a huge help, a huge help for everybody. Oh, yeah, and Jordan's hyping it up. That dude never does interviews or nothing anymore, and he's going around saying stuff like people might not like me after this. He's just <laughs> hyping it up, hyping it up. Because I'm telling you right now, MJ ain't going to release nothing that makes him look bad. Yeah, so, that's probably true. That's probably true. So he's all this stuff up, man. Yeah, after this series is going to come comes out, you're going to have all the crazies going, oh, he's the greatest ever. And there's arguments for that, no doubt about it. But that kind of talk is just going to get crazy. It's going to yep. get crazier after this documentary you watch. No, I agree 100% on that. So I'm excited for it. I can't wait. And I'm sure we'll talk about it next week, the first couple episodes, just to, to see what you think about it. We'll have to, you know, just kind of give our opinions on this, you know, as, as the series goes. So I'm excited for it for sure. So, yep. Okay. Now, this is something where I keep thinking we talked about it in the podcast, but we didn't. <laughs> we were talking about it before the podcast came on. And we're talking about how the NBA is going to try to promote the G League as a better option than for high school kids that are coming out early or going to be one and dones to go play overseas. So, they want those kids to stay in the United States. They don't want them going overseas. So, they're making this an option for them to be able to pay them. Like, I forget what the, the, one of the top prospects is getting for going to the G League, but they're gonna I mean they're gonna pay him like five hundred thousand dollars to come play in the G League for a year. So how does this change the game overall? I mean that's the question. Well I know me and you when we were talking, we kind of have different views on this. I, I if I am that guy 
I am taking the $500,000 because that's $500,000 you're not going to get in college. Well, you might, depending on the program, but we'll right. go there. That's a different conversation. But <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I'm taking the money. I, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to do school. I want to go play ball. I'm going to go get paid. I'm not, with the media nowadays, if you're playing for the Fort <clears throat> Mountain Ants or whatever they're called, you're still going to be on TV on SportsCenter every day if you're doing good things. Uh, you know what? Guys like LeBron and Kobe, they didn't play college ball. College basketball was fine without them. I think it's the same now. I think the one and done is stupid. Uh, go ahead. Tell them your side because you got a different right. take on it. Now, the, N- the NBA, they brought that on themselves or they decided to do the one and done. They created this whole one and done monster that's out there. So, me personally, you know, unless you like you're in a situation where you really need that money, where you really need that five hundred thousand or whatever, and start getting endorsements, you know, I get it. But unless, unless you're like LeBron or like a Kobe, where you could have gone straight from high school to the NBA and made an impact, I think I would really go to college for a year. You know, go go to Duke, go to North Carolina, where you're going to be on TV all the time. You've already been recruited for sponsorships since you were in high school, you know, through AAU. So Nike or Adidas probably already has ideas on getting you um, some kind of endorsement contract anyway. It's just a matter of you waiting one more year to do that. I know some people, some players are in that situation. They need money now. But I think overall, I would try to go to college, dominate in college like Zion did, and be drafted number one overall in you know, have the notoriety coming with it. So I'm with a big program that's on TV all the time versus going to the G League and being in potential obscurity, you know, randomly playing on, like, Tuesday nights um, on ESPN News or something like that and not getting any kind of uh, visibility to increase my marketability. So me overall, big picture, I still think it's good to go to the college to enhance my brand through the lens of the college spotlight that's already there. That's just me, though. Nah, man. Like, unless your dad's Mike Bloomberg, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, you always need $500,000. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm going out and taking that as soon as I get it. I mean, right. You, if, you, if you take it, then how fast is that going to be gone? Let's keep it real. But, for a lot yeah, of these know, kids but, that are 18, 19 years old, you're going to get it, you're okay. going to spend it. You better show up on the court and get that and be a top five lottery pick. It's not here's, you need the money. Here's where I'm going to, you know, look at this, right? So we talked about Kobe and LeBron, the guys that live up the expectations. What about guys like Kwame Brown, who was a number one overall pick by the Washington Wizards, and he ended up not being any good, and he got paid. Imagine if Kwame Brown went to college, right? and tried to play in the ACC and didn't do nothing, he doesn't become the number one pick or get any of that money. So, I mean, I think it, whenever you can get paid, you got to go get paid. So, you know, like he's going to sell his paraphernalia and stuff. He can already sign contracts with Nike and all that stuff. And I'm excited for the G League. Like if I still was back home in my hometown and that dude was playing for the Canton Charge, I'd be going to a game when I would never go to a game really in the past. So – uh, I think it's good for the G League. I think it's good for his development because he gets to play against professionals, guys who are all Big Ten, all ACC, every game, every week. You're going to be on NBA TV because they show the G League games. You're going to be on Sports Center. 
You don't need college ball. Nobody wants to go to class. Why even deal with all that garbage? So you, I, you think, I know we have those dudes on it, but, you know, it's interesting. You think those dudes that are one and done really go to class? Honestly, they have to go to class for maybe a semester, and it's not real classes. You know what I'm saying? Like they're there to get, they're there to play ball, and you know that's how it goes. You know, they're going to show up, they're going to play ball. And, yes, in the Jewish, they'll be playing better competition, which is good for their development. It is good, but – Right now, they don't need development. They need to make sure they're still a top five lottery pick going there so they can make yeah. that catch. And the only thing I can think of is maybe if you go to college and you find out you can't play, but you can get a college degree and from paid for for free from a school like Duke or something, you know. Uh, but even if you can't play schools like that, pull scholarships all the time, maybe you get an injury, you know. But nowadays with today's medical – abilities like injuries pretty much all of them can be fixed at this point right i mean there isn't too much they can't do anymore mostly mostly but still i mean that that is that is a risk that's that's a true risk as far as going to college and playing for a year you know they they could risk that injury and that could also affect their draft stock they might not end their career but it could keep them from being a lottery pick for sure Well, well let me ask you this right so just like put us in their shoes for just a moment right yeah I'm from Akron, Ohio area. You're from the Dayton, Ohio area. Like, somebody's going to give me $500,000 18 years old? Nah, I ain't going to no college. I'm getting an agent. I'm not going to get paid. I don't know about you. Um, I think I'd still go to college. Nah, yeah, come on. Don't lie to our listeners. Don't I'm lie not. to our listeners. I'm not. I guess it, gets, it, 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 really, it really depends. It really depends because <laughs> – I mean, let's let's be honest. All right, let's 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 think about this, right? Like I said, I'm going back to the situation. I was in a situation where, you know, where my family needed me to have money to help them out in their situation. Then, yeah, hundred percent, I would go and I'll take the money and do that. But if I was doing this, I would I would think that I'd have a team in place that's going to help me make this decision and look at all my options and look long term versus just short term and the short side of money. In this situation. Now, if I thought that this money was definitely going to help me, you know, increase my value and help me achieve lottery pick status, then yeah, I take the money. But if I was like, you know, what, I don't know if it will or not, but I can go to college and my shine's going to be there and the spot is going to be on me going to college. I'm going to go to whatever campus. I'm be that dude on campus. I'm be the star of the league. I'm be the big man on campus. And I can increase my marketability. I can increase my visibility on that campus because I'm on TV all the time. I can, you know, I don't have endorsements, but I'm wearing private endorsements I'm going to be getting once I get out of college. You know, I can rock that on time. I get my free stuff as far as doing that. Long-term picture, I could probably do that and still going to be a lottery pick and then get paid even more money without taking the money right now. <laughs> yeah, I can see the days. hype. I yeah, I can see the hype. Like you play at Duke, you're on TV every day. You're like Zion, you know. You get that kind of publicity. You get the yeah. I mean, I get it. I get and, it. Me, and, but, and me, in my mindset, I don't. I, I going to class isn't like it's not going to be a complete detriment to me. I'm not going to be like, oh man, I can't completely stand this. Like it's part of me doing what I have to do to get to my next goal. Okay. All right, Terrell, Terrell, Terrell. How hard was it to, for you to go to class just to play football like we did? How hard was it? How hard was it? It wasn't hard. Yeah. I was just lazy. Oh, come go. on. 
Come on, it's lazy bingo. Class in college. No, it's not because I made sure that I never had a class before 9 a.m. I was already awake at 7, 7.30. That was just me. I go to bed late. I wake up early. If I didn't go to class because I didn't feel like it, it wasn't like I overslept. It wasn't like I was doing something other than just chilling out playing video games. Exactly, but you weren't always going, right? So if you're on TV and everybody says you're going to be the top pick or top five pick and all this stuff and everything like that, and you got to get up at 10 to go sit in some pool management class or beginner's English or whatever easy classes they got out there gives you just enough credits. Right. That, yeah. No way. But the, thing, but, but the thing is, though, I would do I would do enough to pass the class so I can move <laughs> on to the next level. I, that's how it would have worked. That's, that's how my mom would have thought back then. That's what happened. I didn't put yeah. forth the effort when I was in school. I, I went to class enough to, to get by and hang out. Like, I really probably – I don't know how I did it because studying was not a priority back then. You know, <laughs> at, a, at, at a hard school. Yeah. I went through the motions completely and I still graduated somehow, you know? So if oh, I yeah. was in that situation, I probably would have the same mindset. I'm like, here's what I do. I'm here to play ball. I'm going to utilize the school while I'm here. I'm going to hang out, have a good time. I'm going to pass however, whatever it's going to take to pass. And I'm going to keep it moving and get to yeah, yeah, and then but you got to take the ACT and the SAT. The only way you don't have to take it is if you have that coach at Kentucky, or do you have someone take it for Derrick Rose and all that stuff? Right. But, but, uh, once, but once, once again, if I'm putting myself in the shoes, like you said, for me and you, not worried about that. That doesn't bother me. All right, I'll take. Now it. Here, here's the one exception. Now, all right, I'm I won't take the five hundred thousand if I get to go to Kansas, where, where everything goes. Snoop Dogg. Right. It's girls on poles, parties, you know, people doing my work for me. I'll go to Kansas, get paid. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm, I'm done. well that's, what, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, I'm coming in. If I'm a lottery pick, you know, I'm going to come out and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to one of those top-tier schools or one of those blue-blood schools. So, if I'm thinking about going to the G League, you know, I better be going to one of those blue-blood schools because uh, that means I'm going to be a lottery pick. I'm not going to some scrub school. I'm not going to a mid-major school or a directional school. All right, so we disagree on that. I'm yeah. taking my four thousand and playing Fort Wayne ants, but you know that's <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's where we disagree. So we'll leave it at that. But uh, yep, let us know what you think. Would you take the five hundred grand or would you go to college? Let us five know. Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, myself at franchise eleven twenty two, Dane at D DeMeo, uh, Instagram at Terrell Dwayne eleven, and on Facebook just Terrell coming. So yeah, weigh in, give your opinion. We'd love to hear it because uh, I'm sure that there's people on both sides of this scenario, and you know, not everybody's in the same situation, so everybody would make their decisions differently for sure. So I was but, driving an '85 Cutlass. I'm taking the five hundred thousand. <laughs> I was driving a 91 Chevy or yeah, no, a 92 Chevrolet Beretta. So, I mean, it's not like it was anything good, but it got me from point A to point B. <laughs> yeah, and there you go. That's right. But we get to talk about it real quick for my last segment here before we wrap it up is Stephen A. Smith destroying the Bengals on national TV. 
Look, what, what do you? Th- what's the Bengals fan think here? Look, what do you think? I mean, after I listened to his rant, you know, I did notice that he was emphasizing the fact that they didn't have postseason wins, and the fact that Mike Brown is cheap and wouldn't spend money. Which are, it's both true. I can't disagree with that. Um, is it going to be the abyss for Joe Burrow? I would say no. Uh, the Bengals, like the Bengals, have been the worst team in the last ten years. But right, he's right. They didn't win playoffs. They didn't win postseason games, and I can't disagree with him on that. You know, he was just being loud about it. Yeah, but he said Terrell. He said the worst. He said that Tua would probably have the better career based solely on the fact of he's going to go to any other team but the Bengals. We're talking Detroit. We're talking Jacksonville. We're talking Chargers. We're talking all these horrendous franchises that Tua actually go to. And he said Tua will have a better career sold based on the fact that it's not Cincinnati. There, I think he's ate up because Cincinnati compared to Detroit or Jacksonville or, you know, the Chargers, any of those teams, they're not any worse. Those teams spend more money and they are not, it's like their head and shoulders better than the Bengals. They're just not. So that's somewhere I think he's talking outside of his neck, to be honest with you. I disagree with him, man. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, like we said, the Bengals, you know, that year Carson Palmer got his knee blown out against the Steelers. That was probably one of their windows. Uh that year, what was it? Dalton got hurt that one year in yep. the playoffs. That was probably a window of theirs. I mean, luck plays a lot into it when it comes to injuries like that. So I think the criticism's a little brutal. Based off recent history here, these last couple of years, he's not too far off. But there's been teams that's been horrible for a whole lot longer than Cincinnati has. I mean, Detroit's been god awful since they won their last title in the fifties. You know, yeah, they yep. won. You know, won. I mean, nine, ten games maybe with and made, you know, maybe a playoff. I mean, they had Stafford. They had Megatron, for crying out loud. They had Barry Sanders. And they nothing since, uh, what's his name, uh, Billy Lane, the quarterback Lane for quarter, for Detroit yeah. set after they traded him. I hope Detroit doesn't win another title for 50 years. It's been past 50 years since Lane's been traded, and they're still awful. They have made two of the best players in NFL history retire early because they didn't believe that the that the team was in it to win. You know what I mean? So I mean, that's Megatron and Barry Sanders. You know, they still had years left that they could have played if they wanted to, and they chose not to because they didn't believe the team and the owner was in it to win. So what does that say? That's awful. And I don't even think it's that the Ford family doesn't want to win. They just don't make right good decisions. Right. You know, because right. they do spend the money. Now, where, where it's a little – where the difference is, is Detroit does spend the money, and Mike Brown has been a cheap ass. And it's right. hard to be a cheap ass in the NFL when everybody's making money. Now, the one thing is that I wonder if – Marvin Lewis was at the was leading the charge, and Mike Brown actually gave him money to spend, versus handing him, you know, the hand that he had, which was terrible. 
and he still made it work. You know what I mean? He still made it work with with Mike Brown's cheapskate ass. You know, he still went out and got wins. He won AFC North titles. He got him to the playoffs. Did they win playoff games? No. But with the hand that he was dealt, he still went out there and made it work overall for years. Now, granted, they had the Steelers had to deal with. That was tough. But, you know, they were right there. So, you know what my take is on Marvin Lewis? I think he's a good coach. And the guys won a Super Bowl. He architected one of the best defense of all time with the Ravens. Right. I think he possibly would have an NFL job at this point if he would have brought along maybe a new up-and-coming offensive coordinator, kind of like Mike McCarthy did, where he's like, I'm going to bring these new guys in that know how to run a modern offense and stuff instead of going around saying I need Hugh Jackson as my offensive coordinator. That ain't going to get you a job. So, you know, I think, I think, I think Marvin- at the time, <laughs> Hugh Jackson was a decent coordinator. He, just, he definitely wasn't the best head coach for the Browns. But – um yeah, no, I can I, tell I, you, I'll give you a saying, teams don't want to hear in an interview that I need Hugh Jackson as my offensive coordinator. So, right. so if he wants another job, I think uh, put him in quality control. I understand your boy and you want to hook up your boys. Everybody does, but you know, maybe I'd do something else with him. But well, well Marvin Lewis is hanging out in Arizona State right now with uh, Herman Edwards. Edwards. That's you right. You play to win the game, and he hasn't turned around. He hasn't, you know, going bowl eligible. I want to see what's going to happen in the next two years. Herm Edwards going to be out there fighting. I like it. It's a good campus to recruit for, so. That's you know, true. I think there's potential there. There's no reason for him not to get top talent because the campus scenery is solid. Yes. So is the weather, and so are the girls, and everything that goes with it. I think uh, he can do it there. Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. So, well, man, I don't want to keep you. Appreciate you coming on. I know you, uh, you're you starting new work hours this week, so uh, we're actually recording this a little bit later on Saturday, Saturday than normal. Appreciate you. Have fun at work tonight, man. And I look forward to discussing the draft and the first episodes of the Jordan documentary next week. Yep, should be a good – good talk next week after we see what happens so <laughs> for sure yep i'll uh, i'll uh everybody be safe out there and i'll talk all right buddy it's your favorite segment relax and take notes and today it's kind of a interesting kind of loaded topic today uh i as if you didn't know i'm a nascar fan and uh, obviously, NASCAR, they're not running races right now, but they're running sim races where they're playing online. And a lot of their actual drivers are going out there and they're playing online against uh, other actual NASCAR drivers and other sim racers as well. And unfortunately, Kyle Larson, um, he was caught dropping the N-word, um, Rachel Slur, obviously, during a live sim racing broadcast that was broadcast to everybody all over Twitch. Um, he thought that he was just talking to his close circle members on his team, but it was a live mic to everybody and everybody heard what he had to say. Um, I was talking about athletes doing things to mess with their money and they shouldn't do anything or say anything to mess with their money. Well, this definitely did that because this happened on a Sunday. 
um, it may happen on a Saturday. By Sunday, he had lost his sponsors and he was suspended by NASCAR. By Monday, he was let go from his team and not given his ride or he lost his ride uh, for the rest of the season. Um, the thing for him is he had things going on where it looked like he was going to be the next driver for Jimmy Johnson's car, which is one of the, the um, most prized cars to have in NASCAR. Um, he's a talented driver. He is someone that I liked, and it's just one of those things where I, I heard it, I heard that he said it, and I was like, man, dude, no. Like, why did you say that? And the way he said it, it was just like it's his normal vocabulary. It's not the first time he said the word. You could just tell. And it was one of those things where it's like, you know, I like the dude. I liked him as a driver. I never thought he'd say something like that. And it's just honestly, it's just disappointment. It is. It's just pure disappointment. And I just wanted to be like, you know, why? Why do you say that? Why does anybody say anything like that? I don't get it. I don't get why the term is in anybody's vocabulary. If it wasn't his vocabulary, he could talk however he wanted to and not worry about something like that slipping out. And like I said, it was just, he said it so casually and it was definitely with the hard ER too. It wasn't with the A, hard ER as far as that. So it's just tough. You know, fortunately these types of words, they're still ingrained in our culture. You see it, you hear it everywhere. Some people are more accepting of it than others. I personally don't want to hear it ever. Um, and I would like to think that I would, you know, do as I say and not do, not say anything like that about any other race, not use any kind of other racial term that's out there. I just, it, it's terrible that it's still in our society and our culture. And, you know, for him, it's one of those things where even he goes through and goes through his sensitivity training and all that and tries to repair his image. This is something that he is, it's always going to be stuck to him, you know, no matter what. He may be sorry. He may be contrite, maybe true. I'm sure he's more sorry that he lost his sponsors and his primary way of living, the lifestyle he wanted to probably live. But if he goes and he truly is sorry and goes through sensitivity training, no matter what, this stigma is always going to be with him. And, you know, that's just that's just what it is. He's always going to be remembered for that. He's always going to be remembered for saying that, no matter what he tries to do. There's going to be plenty of people out there that are defending him, saying he's a good guy, he's a good kid, he's made a mistake, or whatever. You know, like, those are just mistakes you can't make. Those are mistakes you shouldn't make. And I don't think it was a mistake. I just think he got caught. I think he talks like this all the time, personally. But that's neither here nor there but ultimately it's just something that our society we just need to really just get rid of terms and racial slurs like that there's really no reason for them to be around but ultimately he said it it's out there he's he's seeing the repercussions of it and it's ultimately just another athlete doing or saying something stupid to mess their money he lost it, and he lost a lot of it. He lost his money, he lost his job, he lost his endorsements. No one wants to touch him right now. He's in a bad spot. So remember it. Try to change it. Make a difference. Be different. Don't be that person. Try to make yourself a better person overall. I know I will. I know I am. I'm going to live it. I'm not just talking about it. So until then, appreciate you listening. Dan and I had a good show. It was fun. It was fun going back and forth. I look forward to the next week. Hope you guys enjoyed it too. And until then, we'll see you soon. Later.